welcome to the How to CEO podcast. I'm your host, Murray Newland. The world has changed. You chose to become a CEO. You can either crash and burn, or you can get the knowledge, the skills, the advice that you need to make an amazing company. Being a CEO is hard. You have to build a great company, you have to understand how to build a great product, how to get teams motivated, and how to drive the company forward, how to raise funding, and how to uh, exit the company eventually. We have everything you need though to make that successful. I'm here with my uh, friend Rana today, and he has had a successful exit already. He's an amazing tech entrepreneur, speaks around the world. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and give you the tips and advice you need to become a successful CEO. Rana. Thanks, Murray. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, as you said, uh, I've, uh, I've had an interesting set of uh, last few years. Uh, my, my background, really, I started off in, uh, in, a, in a corporate uh, environment, uh, you know, spent a lot of time building really interesting products, hardware, software, everything in the middle. Um, was uh, really fortunate to work with some amazing teams and amazing product lines. And then um, at some point, I had an amazing opportunity to go lead a turnaround of a tech company that had uh, shrunk from its, uh, its peak of uh, half a billion in sales to um, you know, a point of bankruptcy. And uh, that was an interesting opportunity for us to sort of really understand what really makes a company successful, what's relevant, what's a distraction, what, what does one really need to focus on when you are looking at survival. Um, that, that was a very, very tough challenge. We did bring it back to life. We got it back to uh, a, a point of success and it's a reestablished its market leadership position. I went from there to do a SaaS startup, which was a good outcome for me personally and everybody else involved. I've been focused a lot on investing as well. And right now I am leading a very interesting deep tech company which deduces emotions from voice conversations and uh, speech. And so happy to share perspectives, ideas, lessons learned, and trust me, there are thousands of them. <laughs> so uh, let's get started. So firstly, what do you think it takes personality-wise to be a CEO? I think, uh, look, uh, the, the more cliched uh, viewpoints are surrounding uh, leadership and abilities to process huge amounts of data and stay focused. Um, and I think, I think all of those are partially true. Uh, there's, there's a lot of truth there. Uh, but I think, I think probably the single biggest quality, I think, to be a CEO is, uh, you know, ability to learn and ability to deal with people and understand different viewpoints and perspectives. And eventually sort of uh, see the forest through the trees, which means um, you'd always have to sort of have the long pole of things. You need to uh, look beyond what you're currently working on. And I think that's a quality that is imperative for anyone who's in a leadership position, anyone who eventually wants to uh, graduate up the leadership ladder. Um, and it's, 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 it's a quality which most people don't really understand because uh, you, you'd see uh, amazingly talented individuals with uh, brilliant skills. I mean, uh, you, are, you see quantitative geniuses who, who can process huge amounts, huge amounts of data. There are people who 
uh, are, are very good with dealing with people and uh, they have other capabilities that make them uh, or should make them terrific leaders. But oftentimes what holds them back is um, people get really focused on the task at hand, which one needs to, obviously that's important. Uh, but there is that end goal and there's that end goal which oftentimes you lose sight of because you're focused on the things which are surrounding you and they're consuming you. And uh, having the ability to keep an eye on the ball and sort of look at that and bring everyone along to solve and move towards those, uh, those solutions and those challenges is what you need eventually to go lead a company because uh, it's, it's a team effort. Uh, company is basically a bunch of people and a bunch of people working towards an outcome. And you're in charge and you're responsible towards delivering that outcome with their help. You're not going to do most of it. You're not going to do the least of it. You're going to do a very minute amount of what's needed to get towards that outcome. The vast majority is done by your team. And, you know, and, and that's, that's what differentiates an average CEO versus a good CEO. Um, and I think uh, those are some of the lessons I've learned through um, many pitfalls and uh, lots of uh, amazing experiences, some good, some bad, but they've all been amazing. So with the turnaround company, and I think with this current company, I think I'm right in saying with this current company, you, you haven't been the founder, you come in as the, uh, as the executive team. How is that different from being a founder? How is it different to come in as a, uh, as a leader? And what are the challenges uh, you face doing that? Because that's a very unique angle on things. It is. It is different. And I've been in both positions. I've been in a position where I've started something off scratch and it's been my company since day one and it's been my ideas and it's been my way of doing things. Um, and then you'd have to uh, adjust to the environment around you. Uh, it's a different set of challenge. Um, I think um, it, one, uh, one key difference is that you, uh, you need to understand uh, that as an outsider, um, you, know, you need to start to build trust. You also need to start to understand that not everything that's been done to date is uh, useless. Uh, you don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. And there's, you know, and funnily, there's, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's a lot of pressure from the environment to do exactly that. Because um, uh, you're looked upon as someone who uh, needs to affect change for the sake of affecting change. Um, you need to make a statement. You need to uh, make sweeping changes across the board. Um, but when you get into the nitty gritty, what you realize is what's not working is small little things. And the reason why those small little things haven't been affected is because oftentimes uh, when you are in the midst of things, when you are an insider, uh, you're the founder who's created the company and has been with the company since day one, those things are right, right at the tip of your nose. And you can't see them. You can't see them. You have your biases, you have your blinders, and uh, oftentimes the value of the incoming executive is oftentimes to just look at the obvious uh, point out the obvious and affect those things. And those small little things really bring the company back in line. Um, I've seen a lot of turnarounds. And in my opinion, the turnarounds are not necessarily because of uh, some egregious behaviors that, um, you know, that had to be affected by somebody outside because people running the company were not smart enough. It's because of small mistakes persistently made which are, you know, consistently, um, you know, uh, I guess, missed uh, or overlooked, which you need an outside perspective to come in 
have the long pole view, take all the qualities and all the abilities the company has and maximize those outcomes. And uh, certainly, I mean, certainly that's a big part of it. And I'm oversimplifying it, obviously. There's, there's, there's other elements that from a skills perspective often that are missing. Um, from a turnaround situation, uh, when, uh, when we took it on, it was, um, it was a situation of, uh, um, uh, I guess, you know, misaligned uh, vision in terms of how a company should succeed or would succeed or could succeed. And um, in my current situation, it's mostly bringing new skills to the table. We have an amazing, talented team. And the team is brilliant. And they have done tremendous amount of research and they have tremendous amount of capabilities. And my value add is to bring in certain capabilities which the team didn't have. It wasn't necessarily things not being done right. It's mostly missing capabilities which had to be leveraged from outside. And so now we're stronger together because of that. So what, what have you brought in and how has that um, developed the company? What I've brought in is essentially, uh, you know, uh, a perspective around uh, how to take incredible, incredibly innovative technology and, and monetize it and, and, and bring it to market and, and refine the commercialization models. And for me, um, that's the part I'm most passionate about. I'm most passionate about uh, working on revolutionary, innovative technology opportunities that, that we could uh, you know, build a successful business outcome around. And for me, both are important and both are exciting. And so for us, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's the perfect opportunity from a market standpoint. It's also a perfect opportunity from what we offer and a technology standpoint. And it's a perfect opportunity in terms of what we bring together as a team. But, so change, change is hard as well. Uh, how do you deal with the, with the resistance potentially in the team? And, um, and how do you get everyone's buy-in? Yeah, that's uh, hard. Uh, change is hard. Uh, buy-ins are more earned than demanded. Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, look, um, I firmly believe, um, well, let me, let me talk about uh, the, the turnaround, uh, which we did. Right. So in any turnaround, I'll use an analogy. Right. So you're um, you're essentially changing the, the direction of the boat because oftentimes you're going in the wrong direction. So now you're uh, pivoting and you're saying, well, rather than, you know, Southport, we're going to go this way. And at that point, uh, you need to communicate that first off. You need to communicate it effectively. You need to communicate it repeatedly. You need to explain the reason of that change of direction. You need to help explain it in the language people relate to and understand. Um, you know, people from a business perspective will have different takeaways uh, versus people from an engineering and technical perspective. So you need to have the ability to speak with everyone and speak to everyone and relate to everyone. So that's one. Uh, a big part of that is communication. A big part of that is helping communicate that through storytelling. Because uh, stories are important. And stories are what we as humans bind towards and relate to. And it's, it's an important skill. It's also a very, very complicated skill. And it's a skill that people have to build after years of experience and practice. So that's number one. Um, the other aspect to it is understanding 
where are the gaps in terms of execution towards that change? Which is, if you're in a boat and you're rowing, oftentimes you will see that there are some people who are immediately adapting to what you're telling them and you're rowing in the direction that you're asking them to row. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are not rowing. They have their oars in their hands, but they're sitting. They need a little bit of a push and a nudge and they need a little bit of a uh, more uh, direct one-on-one -on -one communication to help them stop rowing. And, and you need to identify who those are and you need to get them to row. Then oftentimes there's a small, and I'd say small, uh, really, um, you know, uh, uh, importantly, um, I mean it because it's usually not a majority of the population. It's a very small minority. But there's a small minority of the people who are rowing against you. And so they're literally rowing the boat against the, the direction that you need to go in. That needs to be addressed ASAP. And it's also, uh, it's also a capability that you need to have as a leader to identify and take action and, and course correct from that perspective. So it's a combination of all of those. It's a combination of understanding, one, which direction you need to go. Second, communicating that. And then helping people um, you know, execute on that change and that vision. Um, and so, um, I mean, I think, um, I think those are the sort of the, the big, uh, big things that, that it takes to uh, relate and communicate and uh, affect change. What are your tips um, for, for ask the two questions. What are your tips for hiring the best people? And what are your tips for firing people? I believe in hiring fast and firing fast. Uh, I, 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 I believe that because I think it's uh, imperative as a startup to, you know, move quickly, take decisive action. And oftentimes um, you don't really have the luxury of, uh, you know, finding the absolute best fit. You need to go with certain qualities and certain abilities and you need to find people you can bet on. You have to bet on people. You have to bet on their instincts. You have to bet on their passion. And you have to bet on uh, certain uh, strategic value adds they bring to the team. And you have to make those decisions and you have to go with that gut and you have to uh, get going with it versus being pedantic about finding the absolute perfect fit that's right for their role. Um, I also believe that if you realize that someone's not a good fit with your team, you need to take decisive action. And the longer you wait, uh, the worst is the outcome for the individual involved and for the company. I think the most fairest thing to do is to have a conversation with the individual and, and talk about why this is not a fit. And if you realize that when they're on the first week of the job, that's the time to have the conversation and not to wait till um, a few months have passed just because you feel that's the right thing to do is to give a few months of time. If you realize and that realization is decisive and that there's quantitative data that, you know, uh, that, that points to that realization. The fairest thing to have is to have the conversation with the individual. And I've been in many situations where, um, you know, um, we've had that direct conversations. The individuals um, have gone ahead, taken other opportunities which were ripe and in, 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 in current for them. And they've thanked me for that. And we've become good friends and I've hired them back in future roles. Um, and because at the end of the day, they realized that that was the fairest thing for them to do rather than lead them on in those situations, which was not going to result in a good outcome for anybody. So my, my, uh, my mindset is hire fast, fire fast. Excellent. Excellent. 
if you were to give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I ask, I get asked this question a lot. And, um, in fact, um, you know, I've, I've responded to this answer a bit too many times, so it might sound a little bit cliche, but this is the best, most authentic answer, um, I'd give to, uh, myself when I was, uh, a lot younger. And that answer would be, don't play too safe. It's not worth the risk. And what I mean by that is essentially, um, our, our entire mindset around risk-taking is completely skewed by the society. And uh, what we hear back in terms of what risk actually is and what it means to uh, not take a risk is uh, so out of date, so out of date. I mean, if I, 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 look, at, I look at young 20-year-olds uh, and even like people in the teens who um, have a clear view of what they want to do. And yep. Uh, and they're looking at uh, what they would have to give up in terms of actually achieving those outcomes. Um, and um, they're going after it. And they're going after it uh, at, at, a, at an early stage which, you know, of their lives, which one might think that it's, it's a little bit too risky because, uh, you know, uh, you're, 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 you're sort of stovepiping yourself into a certain path or a certain outcome. Uh, but I believe that's the absolute right way to do it. Um, you know, if you are, um, you know, if you're not going to take risks at the end of the day, your success will be, you know, uh, directly proportional to the, the safe plays you're making. So, um, I wish I knew this back then. I mean, I took a very, very conservative path, uh, in my career. Uh, I did all the checks, which one's expected to do, which is go after the right education, go get a safe job do well in that job, grow in that career. And um, that worked out. I'm no complaints. I feel uh, that was definitely a reasonable amount of success. And um, I feel good with the, with the time I spent doing it. But uh, that's not what I wanted to do eventually. And uh, it took me a lot of years. It took me a lot of safety net building to finally get the courage to take actual risks. Um, and if I had that ability and that courage way back in my twenties, I feel the outcomes would be far bigger and the impact would have been uh, far greater. So um, that's, that's one advice I would have for uh, everyone who's uh, looking to do something uh, that, um, that they might not get support from, from the rest of the people around them. Who are uh, founders out there that you admire, who you think are doing a great job? You know, um, I don't necessarily think there's this one founder uh, who uh, I sort of consider as a role model because I, I take um, certain specific um, mindsets from different founders and hold them in terms of the, the role model mindset. Um, I feel the visionary aspect of Elon Musk is incredible. Um, his ability to take risks and go against the tide is amazing. Uh, something which uh, I definitely uh, can't come close to, but it's an aspiration to sort of think of things like that. Um, if you look at uh, the ability of uh, Jeff Bezos to execute um, yeah. and have uh, a pedantic, consistent, persistent path of execution towards whatever he's doing with extreme level of consistency, uh, that's admirable. And a lot of what he's done, different businesses he's built, it's sort of step by step persistence and consistence. 
um, you know, and you know, I think I think those are the different things. Um, I, I could go on uh, with many founders, but I'd, I'd say I take those bits and pieces from a variety of different people and uh, and try to mimic or learn. Excellent, uh, Rana. If uh, if people can help you with one thing, what would that be? Ah, that's a good question. People can help me with something. Um, I think. Look, I'm. Um, if uh, if there's things uh, which you feel um, I could do better, or if there's things that you feel uh, I could, uh, you know, I could do differently, um, and and you're looking at it and you're seeing it, and um, I'd love to learn. I'd love to uh, love to hear from you. I think it's a it's a persistence, uh, sort of it's a consistent uh, consistent path towards uh, learning. So. Um, that I, that would be, that would be the biggest help for me, and I'd be happy to get your tips and inputs and your guidance and anything else uh, that one might want to throw at me. Awesome, I'm Murray Newlands, your host of the How to CEO podcast. If you would like us to interview a CEO, if there's some advice that you need, we'd love to find someone to help with that answer. Otherwise, please subscribe, and I'll see you next time.